Welcome to Fostering Hope, a program that opens a door into the world of foster care and adoption, sponsored by Foster Adopt Connect. You'll hear stories from all facets of foster care, from kids who have experienced the system firsthand, from parents who are taking on the challenges and rewards of creating forever families for foster children, and from child welfare workers and policymakers who work within the system while also working to make it better. Besides hearing important stories, you'll learn how you can help society's most vulnerable children in big ways or small. Please welcome our host, the Youth Program Supervisor at Foster Adopt Connect, Nathan Ross. Welcome to Fostering Hope. I am your host, Nathan Ross, here with my co-host, Jennifer Townsend. Hi, Jen. Hi. How are you? Superb. Awesome. <laughs> we are joined by the Director of Youth Programs for Foster Adopt Connect, Kelly Soifua. Hi, Kelly. Hi. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks for being here with us today. Uh, so, today we want to talk about education and and its impact with our Foster Adopt Connect programs. And so we've been able to hear different stories from different professionals throughout the last month about the different educational opportunities available in our community, but we haven't been able to weigh in so far as to our own agency and how we interact with those types of programs and how we come up with additional programming to serve needs that aren't already being met um, for our kids. So, Kelly, with that being said, can you talk to us about the, um, the Family Connection Center, what that does, and how that um, led to an educational component within that program? Sure. Um, <clears throat> the Family Connection Center is um, is a facility that cares for children anywhere from birth to 18 years old. And so um, children come to us for approximately 30 to 60 days, depending on the situations of their case. And during that time, uh, we do assessments with them. So children who are older have a DLA, which is a daily living assessment. Children who are younger, we use the ASQ3. And uh, what that is is a developmental d- assessment and tells us uh, where the children are as far as uh, educational needs. The program started uh, about four years ago, and uh, the intent of the shelter was rapid reunification, was Mm -hmm. to reunify families um, in a very short amount of time. And uh, as we grew, we began to take on emergency placements as well. And so we have quite a mixture of ages and backgrounds of children. One of the things that we noticed was that um, that almost almost every child came in with some sort of educational deficit. And so uh, whether that was a developmental milestone that a child wasn't hitting or whether that was math that was a struggle for them, um, educationally they just needed that extra push to get where their peers were. Uh, part of the issue is is being bounced school to school as you change foster homes and change placements. And so that's very difficult to pick up uh, in a new school and to, you know, almost constantly be the new kid or mm-hmm. to change teachers and, and pick up where you left off. So you, you mentioned that there's a deficit educationally, not only for those kids who move from home to home, but that I would imagine that applies to the kids who come directly from birth home. Is that correct? It does. Okay. Yes. Um, we work very hard to keep the kids in their school of origin. Mm-hmm. So uh, whatever school they come from, we will transport them until we can coordinate with the school district to provide transportation. Uh, we feel like everything in their life has changed. Their yeah. home has changed. Who they're living with has changed. And so their school and their teacher um, 
are very important educationally and socially, and so we try to keep them in that school for continuity's sake. Means, I think okay. I think in a former uh, or in a, a past episode we had talked about what you just said the the two prongs to that that one um, it's difficult to remain on track when you change schools because uh, curriculum is different from school to school so what might have been covered earlier in the school year maybe is being recovered and there's a gap and then testing is going to reflect that later on in the year but also socially these kids need as many social supports as they can their family needs Mm -hmm. as many social supports as possible so if you've built relationships with teachers or guidance counselors in your school and you're uprooted and moved to another one to have to retell your story uh, can not only be traumatic but kind of sets you up for you know lack of support later when you reunify yeah i think uh, absolutely i know from my own personal experience coming into care I went to the same school from the time I was three until I moved to my foster home when I was 11. So I had the same teachers, the same staff, you know, the same friends. Um, so when I came into foster care and we were in a shelter for six months, being able to go back to that school, everyone knew our story, not only because it was high profile, but because they also had known me for those years, they were able to wrap around that act, that additional social support, but they were also able to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. And so they could see where I was before um, the tragedy that happened with my family. And then they were able to then weigh that out with what was happening as a result of trauma and mm-hmm. kind of where I was pushing the limits a little bit, which was helpful. I would guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would guess too that it would be especially important in high profile cases because if you were to have to go to a new school where that was all they knew of you and they didn't know you as a person, they right. would react to you very differently than returning to a school where they knew you as a person Absolutely. before before the news absolutely Mm -hmm. so then for those kids who come to you kelly who come to the program from birth families that have some of these educational deficits what have you noticed has contributed to those deficits um it's it is it just that they are biologically um less fortunate than other kids or are there other factors when the family is struggling um one of the first things to go is the focus on education um you know, nobody's checking their backpack when they come home to see if they have homework. Um, nobody's going to parent-teacher conference to get the feedback from the teacher to see where their child's at. Um, children show us what they can't tell us. Mm-hmm. And so when things are going on at home, behaviorally, the child may start to act up. They're not as focused in school. They're not sleeping as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're enduring uh, traumatic events in their life that uh, make school a lot less important. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, um, you know, that tends to that that, uh, you know, tends to uh, come out in their homework. There are situations where we've had educational neglect from families uh, whose children have come into the shelter um because the parents maybe had drug use and they left the child to look after the younger children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the child missed school altogether. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, you know, it's case by case, but it is not uh, just a foster child situation. Yeah. It's definitely occurring prior to coming into care. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's not also, it's just, it's not just the um, nature. It's not just no. that these kids are dumb or these kids are, you know, Mm going to be doomed for life. It's because they've missed out on opportunities. Correct. Yeah. um, These kids by and large are not uh, suffering any kind of organic 
mm-hmm. deficit educationally, you know, mentally, anything like that. Um, some of them do have mental health issues mm-hmm. that um, do contribute to their educational. Um, you know, if you have a child with ADHD or with, um, you know, who has oppositional defiance, um, taking direction from a teacher is not going to be something that they're readily available. You know, they can't do. Right. They, they don't want to, They don't want anybody to to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're going to push back. And uh, some of our kids are having strug- struggles to, you know, be maintained in a normal classroom. And so they, uh, you know, in the school system, um, don't always attend the full school day in their classroom. Um, they'll end up going out into a cool off room mm-hmm. or to uh, a behavioral interventionist that they have at schools now that mm-hmm. um, are working with that child. And so every moment that they are uh, out of that classroom, they're losing time on instruction. Yeah. So they're, the, the other kids that are sitting in their seats are getting instruction that they are not receiving. And so forth. So that goes into the deficit that they're experiencing. I do remember when you were talking about um, different reasons for educational neglect. I worked for uh, MidAmerica Head Start before I came to Foster Adopt Connect. And I know for a lot of parents um, that we were working with, because if you were absent for even one day, you got a call to check in and see what Mm -hmm. was happening. Um, For a lot of them, there were other things going on in the home that they were concerned would be brought to light if the child went to school. And so they very much loved the child Mm -hmm. and didn't want, you know, them to be potentially taken from them. So things like I couldn't afford you know we have electricity off in our house we couldn't get ready I don't have enough clothes I can't afford to wash the clothes I couldn't afford to pay for lunch or to provide what would be seen as a sufficient lunch so all those things that they're worried you know they want their child to be safe and well fed and clean but they were but in that moment they couldn't provide those things and they didn't want somebody to come in and in their mind take their child so it was easier to just keep them away from school and so we were able to put in services to get them to the point they needed to be so that the child could go to school they didn't know those services existed so you know we were able to have that conversation before the kids got in too much trouble yeah absolutely and and that's why i wanted to talk about you know some of the environmental factors because i know a lot of kids that come into care um, they might receive a diagnosis or an assessment that says that they're low IQ or they're lower functioning. And what we, what I have know, know from my own personal experience and then from those I've worked with over the years is that as they get settled into a permanency um, placement or as their life just settles in general, that IQ starts to go up. And mm-hmm. so if people make that initial assessment and say low functioning and then cater their lives to that, you know, being the truth, how much that actually negatively impacts kids as well. And so I think that there's a lot of opportunity for people to really kind of use that as not the um, be all end all, but Mm -hmm. as an opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know we have to go to break here soon, but when we come back, Kelly, I would like to get into how the Forever Connections, the Family Connections program tackles or is attempting to tackle this educational component, especially for those younger kids so that we get them to a place that by the time they get into a stable home, they're ready to go. Uh, So continue to listen to us on Fostering Hope as we talk with Kelly Soifua from the Family Connections Program, our Director of Youth Programs on Fostering Hope.
Welcome back to Fostering Hope. I am your host, Nathan Ross, here with my co-host, Jennifer Townsend. We are joined by Kelly Soifua, our Director of Youth Programs at Foster Adopt Connect today, talking about the Family Connection Center and the work that they are doing to help kids who are in their rapid reunification program and their emergency shelter programs um, get educationally caught up. Uh, so before break, we had talked about some of the deficits that are perceived to be with kids who have suffered trauma and how some of those, a lot of those factors might be environmental and not so much biological. Um, and so, Jennifer, I know that you had um, a specific story that you mm-hmm. wanted to talk about. Well, yeah, Kelly and I were just talking because um, over the break, because I've had a placement of a little guy who um, had been placed with us with Foster Adopt Connect previous in his time in foster care and had an evaluation done by an outside agency, Mm -hmm. an educational agency came in to FAC and, you know, tried to see if he needed any extra services and whatnot. And they found that he did, that he had um, deficits across several areas. Um, And several months later, you know, after... A lot of work, I think, by the services that he's been given and what we've done in the home. But also, he's improved. But I also think that, um, and Kelly really spoke to this point quite a bit, and I think could speak to it more. Just environmental, as a, as amazing as some of our, you know, foster homes are, and obviously as amazing as I think our um, program is that we're discussing today. I. It's not home. Kids have been recently, you know, taken from mm-hmm. their parents and no matter what was maybe going on in the home previously, that that's their comfort zone. Right. And so um, I just think sometimes we're getting evaluations for kids that are not really speaking to their true abilities or it's speaking to and. Kelly also was reminding me of this, speaking to the skills that they have in that moment, not obviously their aptitude for skills. So could you maybe talk a little bit about what those screenings look like and and maybe what the follow-up is afterwards? Sure. Um, Prior to coming to Foster Adopt Connect, I uh, spent 16 years in early childhood education. And so... Uh, you know, with the entire goal of getting children kindergarten ready. Mm-hmm. And so our pre-K children, our four or five-year-old children, uh, the spring before they started school, would go through kindergarten screenings with the school district that they were in. And the children would get the results, so the parents would get the results, and they would bring them back and say, well, you know, Johnny doesn't know this. And, uh, you know, the teacher and I would kind of chuckle because, of course, Johnny knows that. It's the environment in mm-hmm. which the assessment's given. Uh, the child very often will kind of close off and not be as forthcoming with information because they don't know the, the person administering mm-hmm. the test. If I know you and I've worked with you and I'm comfortable with you and I'm four, um, I'll be happy to tell you anything that I know. But if I'm meeting you for the first time, I'm not necessarily going to be able to perform to that level. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, it's not their aptitude. It's what they're willing to to divulge at that time, mm-hmm. you know, they know the answer, but they're not um, comfortable to. Or maybe give they it. haven't practiced it before, and sure. they just need. I know one of ours was a uh, should be able to jump on one foot. Does that sound right. familiar for yeah, like sure, a milestone? Yeah. I'm a new mom, so yeah, <laughs> I like to check with people I've been doing it for a while. So that's something. So didn't know how to do it. Worked sure. on it just a bit, and then could do it. Sure. So. One of the things that I remember um, specifically was. Uh, 
you know, everybody knows to teach children their feet, their hands, their face, their nose, you know, things like that. But they were asking children where their throat was Mm, mm -hmm. or where their armpit was (laughs) or where their elbow was. Mm -hmm. And so those weren't things that we typically talked about. Um, And where's your chest? You know, Mm -hmm. we do a lot of things of where your tummy is, Mm -hmm. but we don't talk about their chest. And so those were just words that they weren't familiar with. Uh In a matter of a few minutes, they learned them, obviously. But uh, so some of it it is definitely the criteria Mm -hmm. of what the assessment calls for. So, you know. Uh, jumping like, on one foot I'm, isn't something that you I'm normally have a I'm laughing to myself because that is so true. Our little two-year-old that we have in our home right now, um, when she learned all those words, she quickly became obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. And so she loves to point at other people's elbows and mm-hmm. touch people with her elbows. So, yeah, didn't know it before. Yeah. Now can't stop talking about yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Kelly, something. can you talk to us about how your how this program has tried to tackle education for kids sure one of the things that we noticed as we began working with uh children as i mentioned before is that they almost always come in with some sort of deficit Mm -hmm. in a school-aged child that is related to you know what they're studying in school but prior to school there is so much learning and i know this has been said a million times people probably heard it but between birth and three Mm -hmm. there is so much developmental um stages so many developmental stages that a child passes through and those assessments are very specific as to a child should do this in this three-month period and if Mm -hmm. they don't then they're um seen as being delayed and so the focus uh after doing an assessment, we are able to provide a focus to the staff and as a team work with that child to build, to move them forward, to mm-hmm. move that mark. And so uh, for a very small child, that might mean, um, you know, learning rollover. So mm-hmm. we have a seven-month-old uh, currently, and that child is uh, unable at this point to roll over or to he's probably never done tummy time because that Mm -hmm. wasn't a focus of the parents at the time and so in working with them um you know within a week he began to start to to turn and um and so being able to move that mark for a child is very important because they are they all build on it the other Mm -hmm. you know you can't run until you learn how to walk and so um Building those skills and abilities that the children need um, can then lead to the next stage. Yep. So, uh, so as I said earlier, the DLAs, the ASQ3s are the thing. There are the tools that we use, but we definitely are uh, changing and revising those as the child becomes more comfortable and as we notice things. ASQ3 is very basic, and it, so it talks about you know the things that the child should be doing at that point, and it's just whether you have seen them doing it, whether you have not seen them doing it, or whether it is emerging. So they're mm-hmm. starting to try to do it, and so um, moving those forward, uh, you know, as far as fine motor skills, gross motor skills um, in in very young children uh, and, you know, kindergarten readiness skills, shapes, colors, numbers, all of those things. So as we began to work with them, we noticed that, especially in the young age children, um, that they needed those preschool skills. Mm -hmm. And so what we've created is uh, an early learning program. Uh, And so after the older children go to school in the morning from uh, 9 to noon, we spend time with the the younger children, the two to five-year-olds, in a preschool environment. Mm -hmm. And so we have uh, themes of the week. We have learning centers. We have uh, things that 
that, um, you know, I was very familiar with coming from early childhood mm-hmm. and things that I knew that we could uh, greatly impact the mm-hmm. children and be able to help move them along so that when they did leave us, uh, they were better prepared for kindergarten. Um, we do a more structured environment for them. So, uh, you know, being able to sit for a period of time and receive instruction for a three-year-old is, is a learned skill. Mm-hmm. That's not something that every child is able to do just off the bat. And so, you know, we start having, um, you know, little circle times where we talk about the weather and the days of the week and mm-hmm. the months of the year and things like that. And so those aren't things that are typically occurring in a household mm-hmm. if a parent isn't... Um, you know, attuned to that. That's not something that a parent normally does. Mm-hmm. And so the, these children having the opportunity to be involved in a preschool program is very important. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so I want to definitely continue this conversation as we come back from break. So tune in for more about the Family Connection Center with Kelly Soifua, our Director of Youth Programs on Fostering Hope. Welcome back to Fostering Hope. I am your host, Nathan Ross, here with my co-host, Jennifer Townsend. We are talking with Kelly Soifua, our programs, our director of youth programs at Foster Adopt Connect. And she's been talking to us today about the Family Connection Center and the work that they're doing, especially in early education for kids who are in their rapid reunification or the emergency shelter program. So Kelly, before break, you were getting into the early education and how you're doing some of the tasks that we take for granted, um, that you're teaching those teaching kids specifically, like sitting down and taking instruction and talking about the weather and things like that. So can you talk a little bit more about that program? Sure. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, so it's a, it's a half day preschool program, um, that a child who was in a, quote, normal home Mm -hmm. would have the opportunity to receive. And so, uh, as I was mentioning, you know, sitting down for a three to five year old child, um, is not an, that's not something that they innately do. That's a learned skill. And as they grow older, their attention span lengthens, but it starts very brief. So we might have a, a five, 10 minute circle time to, um, to be able to talk about, you know, the days of the week, colors, shapes, things like that. And so that builds not only on their attention span length, but also on their social skills, mm-hmm. learning to uh, talk and interact with other children. Uh, very young children do what we call parallel play. Well, they stand next to each other and they'll play, but they don't interact. So they don't wow. ha- get into... Um, you know, you be the dad and I'll be the mom and we'll, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you come home for dinner, that kind of thing. They don't participate with each other. And so one of the social skills that we work on with children is being able to interact with each other, being able to have shared imagination experiences to, to go into a learning center and play blocks together mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, pretend to cook dinner together. And so those are things that, that we, that are very important skills that sometimes can be missed. Um, if a child hasn't been exposed to other children, say they don't have the opportunity to have early childhood education uh, and attend preschool prior to kindergarten. So those are things that we work on, not only the, the kindergarten readiness, but but also the social skills. And so, um, you know, those 
the things that we work with them on we call life skills. Mm -hmm. And so life skills are things that children quite literally will use for the rest of their life, social skills being one of those. Um, You know, as adults, we take it for granted that we are going to uh, speak with other people and that we're going to interact with them. But for some of the children who... uh, you know, are not in our early childhood program, but are now in, you know, school age, they're in elementary, middle school, high school, um, you know, social skills are very important. Mm-hmm. Being able to interact with people, being able to be comfortable in your own skin mm-hmm. and being able to talk to um, to your peers. And so those are things that we've noticed that had they had the opportunity to learn those things very young mm-hmm. would have changed the trajectory of their life, quite honestly. They would have, um, you know, maybe had more of a tendency to be in extracurricular things. They could have... Um, you know, done more in school. They could have, you know, held little school offices or or things like that. But um, because maybe they weren't comfortable talking or interacting with their peers, that might not be a strength of theirs. Mm -hmm. So, um, so as, as I mentioned earlier, we uh, take children from whatever stage they are when they come to us and we move them forward, whatever Mm -hmm. that means for that child. We had a situation with a, uh, a girl who had had several placements. Um, she was kind of bounced, unfortunately, from foster home to foster home and in different districts. So one of the things that we focus on is keeping um, children in their school of origin, so keeping them where they uh, are more comfortable with their friends for those social um, interactions because we do see value in that. And so this particular child um, had struggles as far as homework, because, um, you know, like, like I said, if you have difficulties going at, going on at home, homework is not your focus. Mm-hmm. And so she had just a stack of homework that when we partnered with the school district, we called her teachers, um, communicated with them, uh, and let them know that she was now with us. And then we're able to find out what she was missing. And so the stack of homework, um, we worked with her in, uh, one-on-one. One of our staff members just kind of took her under her wing and helped her complete all of that homework and get it turned in. So when she came to us, she was going to have to repeat her senior year. Mm-hmm. And within the 30-day time frame, we were able to get the homework completed, get credit for it, and she was able to graduate with her peers. Wow. And so for that child, um, you know, even though they're with us for a sh- very short period of mm-hmm. time, 30 days, we can have a huge impact on a child if we're focused. Yeah. And so being able to um, assess them early on and be able to see where that child is and what they could most benefit from mm-hmm. um, and then coming up with a plan so that the staff in the center can work as a team and really focus in on uh, how to impact that child is something that we we you know try to get done very early on and, and to focus together. I know that there's been a big push, especially in the last year or so, in normalizing um, teen experiences for children in foster care. So I think it's really amazing that you were able to provide that young lady an opportunity to graduate with her peers, with her friends, rather than having to wait a whole nother year and therefore missing out on an experience that I know I hold really dear to my heart graduating high school. Sure, that's that's a huge milestone in a child's life. And, um, you know, and... You can't go to college without graduating high school. And if high school wasn't a good experience for you and you feel, uh, you know, less than solid about your high school career, you're not going to pursue additional education because Mm -hmm. that's not going to be something that you feel confident about. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
if I didn't enjoy high school, why go to college? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, these those things we definitely try to keep normalcy in their life. If they made the football team, that's a huge thing. I went through practice. I tried out, mm-hmm. and now I want to play. But, oops, I got placed in foster care. And so we drive those children to those practices. Oh. We make mm-hmm. sure that they're able to mm-hmm. participate if they're in band or in, um, you know, after school activities, things like that. Mm-hmm. We do those uh, extra steps because that's what's best for the child. Yeah. And the dedicated effort part that you were talking about with that young lady reminds me of a similar story that we've had with our community connection to youth project. Um, so we got a call from a uh, guardian at Lydum saying that there was a young man who was preparing to go to college um, this month, actually. He, so when she called a few months ago, he wanted to go to college starting in August and just needed help figuring out how to get to Warrensburg so that he could go to school. So we took the referral down. We you know, set up a meeting with this kid. And then uh, in meeting with him, we started asking some of the base questions. So what was your ACT score? Um, wh- you know, when did you graduate high school? When are you going to graduate? And we found out that he, was, he hadn't actually graduated high school yet. And he had taken the ACT once as a freshman and scored, uh, had a very low score, a score that was too low for him to go to college. But because no one had taken that dedicated effort to really walk him through the steps that it actually takes to go to college, he thought that just turning 18 and wanting to go meant that he was going mm-hmm. to Warrensburg in the summer. And so he was very discouraged to hear us tell him, no, that's right now it's not an option. You have to get, you have to even graduate. So I know that his specialist worked with him very intensively because she found out that he was doing modules to graduate because he was kicked out of school for his behaviors. And so he was doing modules in this foster home. Then he got removed from the foster home. And so the foster home was where he got moved was out of the school district for Mm -hmm. where he was taking the modules and they wouldn't let him bring the laptop with his him to his new foster home because it was a property of the school and so now he not only didn't have his home he wasn't going to college but now he couldn't even finish his modules because he wasn't in the right area and so this specialist picked this boy up she drove from Kansas from our independence office to Harrisonville past Harrisonville on two separate days picked him up took him to his school because they said that was the only way for him to, to use the modules took him to the school and sat with him for eight hours each day and redirected him back onto his module tasks. And so by doing that, those two extremely exhausting days, he got, he thought he only had two modules to do, found out he had five. (laughs) So lots of just chaos. And so Mm -hmm. she was able to get all work with him to get all five of his modules done. And he graduated high school. And so he now is in a better place to go to college. He still will have to do some of the work needed in order to get his ACT score up. But it really does get to that dedicated effort. If Mm -hmm. people had been involved in his educational life Mm -hmm. um, the entire time he was with the Children's Division, he would have been in a much better place to go off to school this summer. And so he, without this program, he wouldn't have even graduated um, because people were tired of him. He was, you know, mouthy. He was disrespectful. No one wanted to sit. I went to school. Why would I sit with you for 16 hours to do that again? You know? Uh-huh. Um, so it really did change the course of his life just by making. Do you have those- a lot of kids that are misinformed about, like, that are in foster care that are misinformed about their resources for college? Because we've worked yes. with a lot of teenagers who have been told if they stay in foster care that 
college is an automatic thing. We had a kid who was so happy to graduate high school and he did an amazing job working himself through it with very little support only to discover that um, he didn't get to go to Mizzou mm-hmm. four years for free without, right. you know, he, he right. graduated, but his GPA was low. His desk scores were low. He had no extracurricular activities because he had been moved around so much. And it was heartbreaking yeah. to tell him that's not happening right yeah. now. At least we can work on it happening in the future, but it's not a reality right now. That happens a lot. That has that has happened to us. We have so many young people that come to us wanting to pursue higher education, but honestly, they they've been misled their entire educational life, and mm-hmm. so being passed on, they assume that if I show up, that's all that's required of me. Mm-hmm. And college is not that experience, and so we have a lot of kids who get to that point where they're ready to send in an application. And they can't. They Mm -hmm. don't have the requirements, as you said, the extracurriculars, the GPA, the ACT scores, any of those things for them to be productive in Mm -hmm. college and successfully Mm -hmm. graduate. Yeah. So we have to like redirect them into, okay, well, what is it? What do we need for community college? Right. Community college move to a four year. So things are going to look a little different. It's okay. You're still you could still get there. The journey is just going to look a little bit different than it you thought. <laughs> Absolutely. And so as we wrap up this conversation, we'll talk about what supports are still needed. So tune in for the finish of this story on fostering hope. Welcome back to Fostering Hope. I am your host, Nathan Ross, here with my co-host, Jennifer Townsend. We've been talking with Kelly Soifua, our Director of Youth Programs at Foster Adopt Connect, about the Family Connection Center. So, Kelly, can you talk to us about what you hope to see come out of this um, educational program that you have and kind of what the average person could do to get involved? Sure. Um you know, having the opportunity to attend a preschool setting is hugely important for children because, um, you know, back in the olden days when I went to school, um, you went to kindergarten to learn things. Now they expect them to come in knowing things. Mm-hmm. And so having that preparedness, having them uh, walk into a classroom m- more ready to take on additional learning is hugely important. And so being able to help those children with the kindergarten readiness skills, the the colors, shapes, numbers, body parts, jumping on one foot, things <laughs> like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, um, are very important. Um, and so as we work forward, um, you know, we just started this program, and so it's just in its infancy. And so one of the things that we hope to achieve is uh, – to be able to track data on children and and their progress as far as uh, entering school and being kindergarten ready and how uh, we have moved those marks on the ASQ3s and the DLAs for the um, applicable age children to be able to um, you know impact the the way that child performs in school later on um, the. The way that people can become involved is uh, just to take interest in a particular child. You know, volunteer, become an educational advocate. Without the personal connection, without the one-on-one focus, these children can easily fall through the cracks. If no one is focused on, um, you know, the fact that they're not doing well in math or if they're not doing well in reading, those are things that are going to impact them the rest of their life. And so uh, those are, you know, things that 
that if you would like to, um, you know, take on a child, volunteer mm-hmm. at an organization like ours, become an educational advocate, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, or mentor children, help tutor them in their, in their lacking, um, just spend that concerted effort on a particular child. It's so easy to do. It takes very little effort. Um, just your time, honestly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know um, we've had a few uh, Foster Adopt Connect employees that have been educational advocates or educational surrogates, So, um, and that has been deeply impactful on the kids that they have served. Um, additionally, you know, CASA, court-appointed special advocates, they um, keep track of several things when they're working one-on-one with children, but one of them is, you know, education. I know that the CASA volunteer that I've worked with that's been her main goal is um, keeping track of our kiddos' educational well-being and making sure that they keep moving forward. Um, tutors, huge. I was also going to just briefly mention that um, uh, recruitment programs has had some situations where we are looking for adoptive resources for kiddos and the the children feel especially connected to their school of origin or their home school and they don't want to leave no matter what even if that means not having a forever family and so we've been able to do targeted recruitment within that child's school district and find adoptive resources so if you're ever thought about being a foster parent um, and feel especially drawn to the children in your own community um, you know you should you should look into it become a foster parent um, share that information with home finding and you can take in children from your own neighborhood, which I think would be hugely impactful in a child's life. Yeah. Is there any way that um, someone in the community might be able to help your CCYP clients? Oh, absolutely. I I think the educational advocate that you, both of you were talking about is absolutely important. Uh, even more, not even more so, but equally so with our young adults who have aged out of foster care. I, I think sometimes they get, well, not sometimes, I know, they get discouraged. Mm-hmm. So you've gone through, you think that it's a you know super easy thing to go off to college and then you get discouraged. And then you have to ha- go and get a job and then you have to take care of your own children. And so it, education quickly becomes the thing of the past, a mm-hmm. dream of one day if my life were different, I might have been able to. And so I think that there's a real need for people who, as adults, as, you know, 30, 40 year olds went back to school Mm -hmm. and did it with kids. You know, I think that there's something to be said for, you know, being able to juggle having a family, having a career, doing a job and going back to education and just showing our young people that that's possible. I do think that we don't we probably don't give enough attention to um how having a loving and stable and caring person in your life propelling you forward educationally impacts your life. Your education impacts the rest of your life. You have yeah. very little time with little kids, like Kelly was saying, all that happens in the first three years, but also everything that happens before graduating high school. 18 years is really not all of it's been in school, but 18 years is not that long of a, of a time period in your lifespan that affects so much of your adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we've had kiddos in extreme recruitment that um, had one kid that had been in care for 10 years and in all of that time had never spent more than two weeks in what we would call like a typical school. So a non alternative school or a non therapeutic mm-hmm. school. And yet When he was placed with a maternal cousin over a year ago, um, he was quickly able to, like within the first month, Mm -hmm. able to transfer to a typical school in their area and hasn't had any problems since. Every quarter he has had 
awards upon awards, honor roll, perfect attendance. That kid had that ability yeah. that whole time, that aptitude that whole time. But it took somebody that cared if he went to school every day and that encouraged him when things were hard because things were hard. Yeah. That year wasn't magic. He wasn't placed in everything was magically fixed. It's that he had somebody that encouraged him every day and saw his strengths and spoke to his strengths. So case in point would be, you know, buddy, I know the math is really hard for you. I'm going to give some special attention. We're going to do what we need to do to get build that up. But like, let's also talk about all the things that you're excelling at. You wake up, you get yourself ready, you go to school every day. That's awesome. Right. You read the book that you were supposed to read for English and you did a report on it. That was awesome. Let's not just focus on the deficits. Let's definitely focus on the, all the things that you're doing well. And it has changed that kid immensely. And the- I think sometimes with these children, um, all they need is that cheerleader. Mm-hmm. They need someone standing behind them telling all the things they're doing right. I think it's very easy to uh, be in a foster system. I mean, if you can imagine being at that young age right. and you don't have the supports that um, – that a child should enjoy, uh, that every child is entitled to. And so being able to have that cheerleader standing behind them, telling them all the Mm -hmm. things that they're doing great, build their self-esteem. It puts deposits into their little piggy bank of of Mm self-esteem. And so uh, they don't have those, those, you know, negative impacts. Uh, You know, you can take something that happens a little more readily if you have good self-esteem and you're Absolutely. and you're confident in what you're able to do, I completely yep, agree. I agree, and being able to invest then in their community and even doing extracurricular activities gives them mm-hmm. something to invest back in, so it gives them something to look forward to. I know that um, Zach and Susie, who are my mentors, helped immensely mm-hmm. in my education. My parents were, you know, very good about making sure that we had the supports necessary to get educationally on track. So I. Don't know that I would have graduated without them, honestly. Mm, life-changing. Yeah. So thank you so much, Kelly, for being with us today and for sharing about the program um, and the educational components. Um, we look forward to seeing all the great things that you guys do and being able to see those outcomes. You've been listening to Fostering Hope, brought to you by Foster Adopt Connect, a regional support and advocacy center for abused and neglected children and the families caring for them. To learn how to become a foster parent or how to help vulnerable children in other ways, please visit us at fosteradopt.org or follow Foster Adopt Connect on Facebook or Twitter. For more information on any of our other programs, you can also find us online. We will continue our conversations next month on racial issues and how that affects the adoptive community and the foster community. So tune in on Fostering Hope.